0: First of all, I want to give a big shout out to my guest this week, Lee Brophy here on Trackback with CalMac, because prior to this episode being recorded, he just got back from a friend's wedding over in America and has to do a long period of isolation because COVID rules still stood while I was recording this episode. Lee, um, what a guy he is. Uh, Lee is a comedian um, from Ireland and he talks about um, his process of growing up uh, in um Island, where there was a big comedy scene and also uh, how he was learning his craft um, and what comedy meant to him. And also he talks very uh, in depth of how he sees comedy going forward after the coronavirus pandemic and also um, some of the stuff he was doing on TikTok with his Vicar skits. Um, Really incredible to talk to. Such a nice guy. This is Lee Brophy. And remember, before you go, if you want to get in touch, email the team at trackbackpodcast at yahoo.com. Follow us on Instagram as well at trackbackpod. This is Lee Brophy. We'll be i hope you guys are ready to rock and roll i'm joined by lee brophy uh, and he does look very jet lagged i mean you've been through 10 different time zones so you know that that's to be expected but uh how are you my friend and how does it feel to be on the tick tock track
1: oh i'm i'm doing good uh i i feel very um can i say blessed and without yeah, of course sure uh no it's been a long time coming okay uh no I, it was only 29
0: yeah. days ago, I texted you saying, do you fancy coming on the TikTok trek? And now, 29 days later, it's like, the day has come. And it feels like we've been talking for over 200 days,
1: when realistically, it's only been 29. It genuinely, it feels like forever. Um, yeah, no, this, this feels good. I, I, I'm glad to just jump right back into it. Uh, happy to go, happy to go.
0: So, uh, Lee, before we get into um, why you joined TikTok, I want to um, ask you some questions about your comedic career, because you are a comedian. So I want to I talk to you about that. So let's go back to, were you interested in comedy? Is that where your comedic journey really started back in school? What were you like in school? And when did your vision to become a comedian really start?
1: Um, so in school, I was very much traumatized. So that's kind of like getting the gears nice and lubricated for comedy. So lots of trauma in, in the before times. Uh, I was a very troubled child and I remember being bullied a lot in school. And then I moved to America. I went to, uh, my parents divorced hence more trauma. Uh, Went to school in America for a while and my last year in high school in America, I started a comedy club with all my friends. It was just a reason to hang out with friends and uh, kind of got an inkling for it. Then I moved to Scotland and actually started doing stand-up there. Um, So there wasn't really... I I would always have kind of like the last word in family arguments and stuff like that. It's just, you know, how Irish people communicate. And that was kind of the first inkling was just always having the last laugh or like the best comment in and, and kind of walking away from a conversation with your yeah. family being like I won that one <laughs> they all laughed at my thing
0: so suffice to say you've not only been christened by the art angels but mm. you've been jumping all over the world no pun intended to Scooter you know no pun intended if Scooter's listening to this that but um, quite the reference <laughs> I just you know thought of that like that I mean it's just just how it goes when it comes to your background into comedy I mean did did you have relatives or friends that were into comedy and then you might have saw some oh no no fan no No one so it just came to you like that like it was you met comedy in a beautiful
1: scenario yeah it was I I was always uh, as, as a kid, I always wanted the, this like everyone to look at me, but I was a very shy kid as well. So it was this like middle child syndrome of like, I need attention, but I don't really want it. Um, and that kind of stuck with me where I was like, I am meant for something, but I don't really think I am. Uh, that inner turmoil of like, do I want this? Do I deserve it? type of thing? And then I just kind of I watched a lot of stand up and I fell in love with Whose Lines It Anyway? when I was living in America and yeah it was just a lot of all of the things that i consumed were comedy and i suppose like my family was always very funny and in that that's how we dealt with things uh when i talked about trauma earlier it really wasn't that bad i'm still alive um but yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, watching stand-up throughout college and high school and um There was always comedy on in the house, but nobody was ever, I have no one in my family that was ever on television, except for like a major crime. Um, And then, oh, I have an uncle, a great uncle who's dead now, but uh, he was famous uh, in Singapore. He was the, one of the religious advisors to the prime minister in Singapore.
0: Wow. Now that's something to be proud of. But um I mean, yeah who were the comedians that you you mentioned you watched a lot of stand-up who were the comedians um around your time that were quite big that you really took to and thought yeah they were the ones that really made me see this vision that I can be a comedian
1: yeah I mean I did watch a lot of Who's Line as I mentioned and that was you know improv and kind of just working on your feet and just being silly was being funny uh then I kind of uh, when I was in high school and college, I was watching a lot of Maria Bamford, who, I don't know if you're aware of her, she's American stand-up, and she talks a lot about like mental health, and I really connected with her, red flag, and then in the past like couple years, I don't know, I don't know if time exists anymore, if it was five years ago, if it was 10 minutes ago, I don't know, but Ashling B was a big hit of mine, uh, I watched Nevermind the Buzzcocks a ton. Uh, oh, what it, a ton. Yeah. I mean, as a
0: 14-year-old kid, I was watching that show. And right. <laughs> is that really right for an underage kid to be watching that sort of comedy? But I got away with it. That's the main thing. Over the years, do you think comedy has changed the comedy circuit from you know when you were growing up to right now? Has it changed and has it changed for the better or the worse, do you think?
1: The, <laughs> nice light question. Um yeah of course it's changed we we have this pendulum in in comedy and in the world and uh amy sedaris who's someone i look up to she has this thing where like it always swings back so we get this high form of satire and then when that isn't working anymore we swing back to our like slapstick comedy so it's kind of like where the political spectrum is and then we kind of need to heal with slapstick and then we can eventually have more intelligent comedy coming in um Yeah, it's always changing for the better. Uh, Look, jokes don't age well. That's just how it is. To expect an 18-year-old to make these incredible observations of the world and they haven't even left their hometown is bewildering. And then, you know, when you're a fully grown adult and you can have critical thinking and you've seen the world and you've experienced things, then you might have like more intelligent jokes or you might be able to say, hey, that's not funny because, uh, you know, One, it has nothing to do with my life experience. And two, I'm actually really offending people just to get a cheap laugh from the people who find that funny who might be from a certain group. Look at me tiptoeing around.
0: Do you think it's important as a comedian to keep making your material quite relevant? Is it important to keep relevancy when it comes to comedy?
1: Yes. (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you
0: know that was the greatest pose you know if I was I was expecting you to do a joke then the way you just moved I was expecting an absolute belter of a one-liner to come out then
1: no 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 no. very simple here um the jokes uh, you have to pay for those um I don't work for free but it's yeah you, I mean what's the alternative if you're not staying relative right you just faded into obscurity it's a challenge as well I mean why wouldn't you want to be constantly writing that's the job to constantly come out with new material that represents who you are and the experiences that you've gone through I don't want to hear about someone who's like telling jokes from 2003 like we've had enough nine eleven jokes you know that's when it was safe to make those um yeah yeah and the world is changing although although i think i'm done with pandemic jokes I, I think i'm done with them like mask jokes were very oversaturated
0: give it about two years and i think that it'll all be forgotten right. about but I think from what? the past year, I don't think anybody's going to be forgetting the virus in the long term, that's for sure. It's,
1: it's, it's very strange. I'm sure if you've had any sort of social interactions with other people. I was just at a wedding and it was like 30 people at the wedding. And I was like, can we, t- can we still make out with each other? I know we don't know each other, but like, is that okay to have my tongue down? Your, like, is that how we're... I, c- I can imagine
0: like- a scenario now, um, you know, with the bride and the groom and, and the priest. You may kiss the bride but make sure you follow the uh, terms and guidelines um, yeah. of, of keeping yeah. safe, you know, masks on, you know, I, I can imagine that, you know, as, yeah. a, as a scenario. I mean, that didn't <laughs> happen in the wedding that you went to, right? I'm assuming.
1: No, there was, it was a full-on orgy. Yeah.
0: Full-on well, orgy. Well, can't yeah. get better than that. But um, yeah. Lee, I mean, talk to me about the very first time you wrote a comedy piece. How challenging was it to do? And what do you think the hardest form of comedy is? Is it performing? Is it writing? What is it for you?
1: uh that's okay so the very first thing that i would like consider a comedy piece that i ever did was uh so you know it was a show i put on called so you know you can't dance and it completely it was said hello um completely bombed and and i got like teachers from the school to come in and, and like perform on different teams and it was i i had all of the like what i thought was the marketing down for and everything uh, which i think the business side of comedy is the hardest side of comedy getting everything together yeah, it. Yeah, people yeah. don't take that into consideration you have to consider yourself a business before anything else uh but bringing all that together was so difficult and no one showed up uh so there was like four people in the audience of a school of like 1500 so that was very embarrassing and taught me a lesson but I think the performing comes easy, for me anyways. I, I, I get my adrenaline from that, and I just love being on stage and get the energy. So the past year in the pandemic was horrendous, just trying to do online gigs and stuff like that. I, I, I just couldn't. I need the energy coming at me. And uh, the writing... I, I write satire and I do. Yeah. I've, I've been a writer for as long as I can remember. So I, I find those two aspects very easy, but the business side of it a little bit more difficult uh, because there's so much that goes into planning it and making sure that it's a success on the outside.
0: That's brilliant. You've experimented with all types of comedy stand up, um, you know, slapstick. What would you say? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what would you say the hardest form of comedy you have done is? And why was it so challenging to you?
1: I think the hardest uh, form of comedy is probably improvisation because uh, there's so many different, well, there's not so many, but there's short form, there's long form, and then there's uh, different, I suppose, augmentations of that, depending on how many people you're playing with and depending on the audience you're playing to. And, with improv you have to have the right references in the right place so it, it'd be very difficult for me to do improv i'm assuming here in the uk after living in america for so long because a lot of my references come from the american zeitgeist and i i wouldn't know like who or what anyone sounds like here in the uk specifically give me a couple of months and i'll learn it all and i'll be fine but improv is very Uh, localised, I find it's most difficult to be universal with because there are so many specifics that you have to know right off the bat for you to connect with those audiences. Um, Whereas sketch, you can kind of write it out and figure it out and do a bit of research and get it going and you're using your own sense of humour and you'll find your own audience that way. And then stand-up, you're just talking about yourself. So stand-up, I find, is the easiest form of comedy.
0: You know, when I was in uni, we had an actual improvisation um, course And what I did with improvisation, I resolved it around a character and look at the different traits of that character. So, for example, I had, um, I chose an old, old man and he suffers with OCD. So I thought of different, you know, characteristics. And I thought, I found that easier, that if you have a character, it's easier to improvise around that character.
1: Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. And it's like, does that character then connect with everyone in the audience or can you make it specific enough that people are like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of my granddad? Or, oh, yeah, that you kind of just need that initial thing for people to believe that you exist as that character for it to work. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's, you That's know, great I wish I, I wish I knew that.
0: <laughs> One intriguing thing as well is the fact that, you know, when, when you're on stage in front of an audience and you have a certain joke that you tell do you think it's tough for a comedian the fact that there could be someone in the audience that that could be offending to is that always in the back of your mind as a comedian not knowing that the material that you might have could be offended to someone in the audience but you don't know what that person's going through you don't know that that this sort of material relates to that person does that always linger in the back of your mind when you're performing and is there a way to go about it without it being offending? Because you you wouldn't know, would you? You wouldn't know, you know, that person would find your material offending. It's quite <laughs> difficult, isn't it?
1: I feel like you answered your own question. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something that you can predict. I mean, I could talk about Jaffa cakes and someone could have had an ant that choked on a Jaffa cake and then they come up to me and they're like, belk me with a bottle. Like, how am I supposed to know? That Just that try jaffa cakes
0: in the audience. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, be careful it doesn't land in anyone's mouth. Um, it's not something that you can think about. I, you won't write any comedy if you're always concerned about offending people. Yeah. I, I could walk outside my, well, I can't because I'm in but if I were to walk outside my front door, I could be offended by anything that I see. So the idea that people are walking around, going about their daily lives, waiting to be offended is upsetting in and of itself. It like, yeah move on with your life this isn't actually uh, it's the intention behind the joke if you're intending to be offensive that's a different story that's maybe not comedy uh maybe you should get a podcast um you know uh that's an easier way this is the podcast that offends everyone uh (laughs) so i I don't think that you can take into account i I think it would be the only thing that you can do That I I feel like you could be safe as a comedian is be truthful in your comedy and work from the space that you know otherwise like I don't. If you're filthy filthy and I mean disgustingly rich and you're talking about being poor. Even though they might be the funniest jokes, they're not going to be funny from a rich person's point of view. They're going to come off as offensive. If you're that filthy rich, I want to hear about how rich you are. Like, tell me like the golden spoon that you were fed with and like how X, Y and Z parents you went through because your dad has this you know, bad coping mechanism with relationships. I want to hear rich person problems and not your take on poor people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk from your experience because yeah. everyone's experience is different and there's comedy in everything.
0: So let's transition into TikTok right now. Sure. <laughs> so what made you join the app? I mean, we, we, we all know it's one of the most viewed apps of the past two years. It's exploded with um, a lot of diversity and comedy is a great platform on the app. You see so many people doing comedic skits, but what made you not only join it, but showcase your own brand of comedy to differ to other people's styles on TikTok? Because you do see a lot of stuff on that app.
1: There's, there's something for everyone. Yeah. That should be That <laughs> should be, yeah, TikTok. Learn on TikTok. Uh, I wrote a TV show and I wanted to put characters from the TV show on tiktok to get immediate feedback and see if it was funny to the new generation of kids that are coming up and watching and consuming media and so i I took each individual character broke it down their traits and i did like little scenes with each of them and that was my intention just to get feedback to rewrite my show and then you know get it on table reads and get it sent into studios and see if anybody wanted to pick it up and it a couple of the characters did really well. And then the priest character that I have in there just took off. And it, when you're working on social media, you're looking for your 10X content, which is the content that gets way more views and way more interactions than the rest of your content. And so you just do that over and over again. And so a lot of the feedback that you get from people is like, oh, you're just like a one trick pony. You're doing the same thing over and over again. But the way that TikTok works is that not every single person who's seen one of your videos is going to see your next video. So you kind of have to do the same thing over and over again. But it becomes a writing and a comedy challenge because how many jokes can I write for this one character, which is perfect for a television show that you're trying to, like, get a couple of series out of. Um, and that was, that was my presenter. Story.
0: Your boy Cal Mack is here.
1: A presenter, brilliant. Love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, thank you. I was looking for one. Um,
0: oh, great. It's like baked. We've met. You know, it, 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 this is great. This is bigger is. than Titanic's release and that boat scene with Rose and Jack. That's, it's oh, that is bigger than. Oh, I thought you
1: were saying the initial, the initial ship.
0: Well, that's gone now, isn't it? So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Buried. Um, yeah. It, it, so it, it kind of took off and I just went with it. And now I'm trying to diversify the content a little bit more because I've gotten more of a platform for myself on there. I've only been on since February 15th, 13th, I think, right before Valentine's Day. Um. So I've only really been on there for like three months and it I didn't expect it to go the way it was. I was like, if I could get like 5,000 followers and I could go into the comedy scene in London with that, it had like some sort of pull. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think you've many- gone beyond that now, Lee. You've gone beyond it's, that. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool because I now have this very um, fun platform where I get this amazing feedback that I wanted immediately from bunch of different types of people uh, uh demographics all over the place so it's it's been it's been a really really cool experience and I had no no intention for it to be what it currently is but I'm and not upset
0: do you write for TikTok as well I mean do you write, do for I write? skits for TikTok I mean do you write like because a lot of a lot of people on the app they actually structure their skits out what they're going to do are you the same with that
1: as in oh okay I see what you mean um yeah there's there's various things uh, mine is more of a of a Character And so I do, I do a lot of trends, but then I'll do a lot of uh, videos that are uh, satirical, that are written out, but based in satire. So they come off kind of serious, but because it's coming from the priest character, it's heavily s- steeped in satire of this, like, what would I imagine an ideal progressive priest to look like? And in that there's so much comedy because like they wouldn't say that type of thing or they can't say that type of thing so there's like very specific joke beats written in where i'm like this is the funniest version of this joke or this is the funniest version of this trend that's currently on the app
0: other content creators do you also look at what they're doing to get some sort of you know ideas of you know something else you can possibly do i mean not necessarily copying off them but just to get that sort of idea is there any you know, content creators on the scene right now that, they, that you are looking at?
1: Oh, I completely rip people's jokes off. No, uh, there is a lot of, you, you kind of have to look around and see where the, the trends, because I do, I do work, in that sense, yes, because TikTok is just, I've seen people do the exact same joke across eight different accounts. It's just a different face. And it's, it, it, from a comedy point of view, I'm like, oh, that's really upsetting. But they're, they're super young these, these yeah. are like no, 14 year old kids who have no idea integrity um, you look at Charlie D'Amalio she's what 13, 14 it's ridiculous yeah but uh, the thing that I feel really bad for these kids is that they don't have the maybe they do but I presume that they don't have the mental coping mechanisms for that type of fame <laughs> this is me kind of tooting my own horn, I suppose, going through life and getting so many rejections and bombing so many times at open mics and at shows and all that kind of stuff, you kind of steal yourself for, all right, well, I'm never going to get famous, but if I do, I, this is exactly how I would do it, or I'm never going to, you know, you, you you feel ready for it and being thrust into it at 13 or 14 I would probably have a panic attack and it it would be terrifying. It would genuinely be terrifying.
0: But you, you mentioned those setbacks that you had, wouldn't that only drive you to, you know, motivate as well yourself to just go for success. However many knockbacks you get, just get stronger and stronger and better and better until you do reach the golden mountain.
1: Yeah. It's all about, I mean, that's the whole game that we're playing as comedians is the part of it is falling down Uh, that's how you learn and that's how you like figure out what's funny and you have to enjoy it though it's the it's the shit sandwich like and anyone else like if you're a nurse you really enjoy taking care of people and bringing people you know a smile to their face as they're going through this massive surgery or this life-changing event yeah but you're also probably going to get covered in shit and blood and people you know lash out at you because you're the only person that's near them in the hospital room and that's their shit sandwich for comedians it's not to compare comedians to healthcare workers um laughter yeah definitely the, the best not. medicine besides a vaccine um but yeah it's it's very much that shit sandwich of like i'm probably going to fail again today i'm looking forward to that yep can't wait for everyone to laugh at me not with me because my observations this week were trash um and you just have to go along with it and that's you you get better though. you absolutely get better because there's only so many times you can make the same mistake yeah. you know Great, and finally, Lee,
0: um, what is next for you? What have you got planned for your comedic journey? Where do you want to take your comedy? And also, what have you got planned for TikTok? Give us a little hint of what you got planned.
1: Okay, we'll do. So uh, up next, I I have that TV show that I've written, and it's in rewrites at the minute. So I'm hoping to push that towards channel four. So
0: well, I'll, I'll 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 take the script later if you want to send it across. I mean, I'm I'm here. Sounds
1: good. Brilliant. Uh, so, if anybody out there knows Fiona at Channel Four, she's the head of comedy. Hi, Fiona. Uh, in case she's listening. Uh, yeah. So, I want to I want to get that up on TV. That that's the kind of the bigger goal. I want to obviously start doing stand up in London. I've been here seven months in lockdown, and I want to get out onto the field and uh, start eating grass. And then I also want to uh, on TikTok. Uh, we're doing more of. Um, I suppose the priest to about a, a million. I think I can push the priest to a million. Um, I've been banned several times, so I have to be very careful about what the priest does. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's fine. I mean, it's whatever. And But besides that, on TikTok, there's a lot of because uh, I'm bi, I do a lot of like LGBT content. So Pride month is in like two days, so expect a lot of gay shit. A lot of gay shit <laughs> on uh, TikTok. Um. Yeah, and uh, more of the same, same silly stuff. And I, I'm, just having, I'm just having a good time. That's, that's what I'm doing. And Lee, for the viewers listening in, where can they find
0: your TikTok, man?
1: Oh, well, you can find it on the app. It's <laughs> at Lee Broph, uh, L-E-E-B-R-O-P as in Patrick, H. And then I just cut off the Y at the end. So my full name is Lee Brophy, but my handle is without the Y.
0: It sounds so much more satisfying like that I don't know why
1: like Lee brof for Lee brof. Brof. It's yeah just yeah yeah sound effect right yeah, yeah yeah I think I might change my name I mean I'm considering it
0: myself but I mean you just got to go through all those all those details and details and details it's
1: yeah not yeah. worth the paperwork
0: not worth not not worth the paper not worth the paperwork yeah um you can listen to this episode with Lee brof I'm just, that just sounds so great every time I say it. Um, you can catch it on Spotify and Apple podcasts, as well as all the rest of content uh, we've got coming up with so many more content creators. It's so exciting. Lee, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, my friend, and hopefully you get our quarantine
1: soon. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thank you, my friend. Bye bye. Bye.